Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. Today we're going to have Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN on talking about some of the recent re-signings, including Cam Newton. Uh, we're going to talk about the cuts that have popped up over the past few days in the NFL and then talk about some of the guys who weren't franchised and where they might be heading in free agency. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you that 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020. It's the story of the day the NBA shut down and the pandemic became real for many Americans. It's as told by those who lived the events of the day and built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews, including Rudy Gobert and Dr. Anthony Fauci. March 11, 2020, will tell a story of a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11, 2020. Subscribe and listen now wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, as well, as you may have heard, Stephen A's World Streams weekdays on ESPN Plus, bringing fans Stephen A. Smith's entertaining perspective and deep expertise with signature guests. The best interviews from Stephen A's World are now available as a podcast every Wednesday. So listen wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, of course, to Stephen A's World as well as the Bill Barnwell Show, and watch Stephen A's World on ESPN Plus. And now here's Marcel Louis Jacques to talk about the NFL. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, now joining me as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, a busy man as we sit here on Friday afternoon with Bill's news breaking over and over again as we approach the time to record this podcast. But a man who has been kind enough to hop on, despite the news breaking in Buffalo, the excellent reporter for us at ESPN, Marcel Louis-Jacques. Marcel, how are you? I'm good. I'm flattered that uh, I am doing well, man. Uh, like you said, it has been a week, but they were just so quiet, man. The bills mm -hmm. were so quiet the past two months that you just knew the storm was coming. So that, that storm's kind of coming home to roost right now. But uh, there's a lot of good energy in Buffalo. A lot of fans excited about these moves. So it's kind of fun to be around. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about the Bills in a second. Wanted to lead with this. Uh, before you were covering the Bills, you were covering the Carolina Panthers. And the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, for part of the time while you were there, I believe, is a gentleman by the name of Cam Newton. Uh, of course, you saw Cam play against the Bills this year, covering the Bills as a member of the New England Patriots. And Cam reportedly has signed today a one-year deal to return to the Patriots up to $14 million. Our Mike Reese has reported there's $6 million built in there in terms of incentives related to the Patriots record, their, uh, their playoff uh, success, things like that, unrelated seemingly to Cam's individual performance. So we don't know exactly how much money it is yet, but just starting with Cam, um, number one, were you surprised to the Patriots bring him back? And number two, what did you think of him from what you saw uh, watching him play the Bills last year? Uh, yeah, I was a little bit. I was a little bit surprised that they that they brought him back. Um, I kind of saw it as I, I don't know. Failed experiment is mm -hmm. too harsh or not, but it, it wasn't a success. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can, I think we can agree there. Um, and I kind of see this as, as them maybe exhausting every other option. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure that they, they maybe they wanted to trade for Stafford and Stafford shut that down. I'm not sure if they're in on Wentz, but uh, this is probably a way for them just to say, okay, like at bare minimum, we can have a, a starting caliber quarterback on roster. He might not be an elite starter anymore, but like he knows the system. Mm-hmm. Been here a year already. He's comfortable here. He'll be better than he was last year. If you know, even if it's not maybe spectacular, I, I don't know if this really, I don't know if this limits them from chasing after any other quarterback in free mm-hmm. agency. Like if, if, uh, if the saints let Jameis go, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think this stops new England from calling Jameis Winston. I don't mm-hmm. think it stops them from calling Chicago about Trubisky just mm-hmm. to, to gauge interest there. So uh, I think this is a it's kind of a fail safe more than maybe their plan the entire time. That's what it seems like. Right. You know, just that idea that, you know, given the money, if it ends up at, at let's say, seven million dollars for one year, like you can pay that to a backup. That's about what the Raiders paid uh, Marcus Mariota, I think, on an average annual salary. You can afford that. And I think, you know, uh, in terms of his performance. It's so tough to gauge. I mean, this is a guy who you know, was coming off of basically a year and a half out of football. who was very inconsistent, very, you know, a, a guy who certainly was a solid runner, inconsistent throwing the football to say the least. Um, you know, some games where he looked very competent. His numbers are honestly a little weighted by his performance against the Jets, which he was very good against the Jets. And, <laughs> you know, ranging from pretty good to awful uh, against the rest of the NFL. I mean, in the Bills games, you, you recovering. I mean, one game, he fumbles late in the game to hand the Bills a crucial victory. And then he's five of 10 for 34 yards in the second game before being taken out in a 38 to nine uh, blowout victory for the Bills. And I think what's so tough is that last year for Cam, I mean, he was making, I think like a $1 million base. Like he was making close to the minimum. And at that price for a starting quarterback, like that's pretty good. Like having a, a below average starter for basically nothing is pretty solid like you would rather have a great starter but I think he was pretty good value for the Patriots last year at this price you know I would imagine that this deal does not preclude them from going out and drafting a quarterback if they want to draft Trey Lance or Mac Jones if they want to trade up if they want to go after someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick or the guys you mentioned like Trubisky um, you know none of those things are removed from the table by signing Cam to this deal exactly exactly and I I didn't even mention like drafting a quarterback is still extremely in play and it's oh, cost effective yeah. too. But yeah, like people might flinch at, 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 you know, 14 million for a guy who, you know, who might not be the starter come, mm-hmm. come week one, but like quarterback figures are, they're different. It's yes. <laughs> like you, you stretch them a little farther and I bet you, you'd be happy about to have that 14 million, you know, going to cam. If uh, whoever is the starter in week one goes down and you need that high end too to keep things mm-hmm. afloat. So, uh, no, sure. I think it's it's worth it for them. Um, I think they add some talent to that roster. We see a different Patriots team. Once those those six defensive opt-outs come back mm-hmm. in 2021, we see a far improved Patriots defense. I just give, give Cam something. I mean, this feels like a broken record for the past decade. Give him something mm-hmm. to work with. Uh, it, it tears me apart from the inside to say – that Nikhil Harry shouldn't be your best receiver. Oh. That's, a, that's an ASU guy. That is my boy. <laughs> I love Nikhil. Everything he did for, for the Sun Devils, 
he's not a number one NFL receiver right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, Edelman isn't who he used to be. I can't even name who's their third receiver. Jacoby Myers, I was, guess. Yeah, Jacob, last year, his number is two top targets were Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird. Yeah. So, I mean, come on, get him some help and, uh, and, and you're going to get your money's worth out of Cam Newton. Yeah. I think that's absolutely fair to say, you know, and I think the classic example of a guy who did get better when you added talent around him happens to be the quarterback you cover in Buffalo and Josh Allen, where like each year there was more pieces surrounding him and he got better accordingly. Of course he made improvements on his own, but we've seen the bills repeatedly invest in you know, bring in what they see as the right guys, which more often than not seems to be guys from Carolina. It happens, but, um, you know, and then retaining their guys. And we saw two moves on Friday, which are a little surprising in terms of the timing, maybe, or in terms of being able to get those deals done. But in terms of their bigger picture, seem to make total sense in re-signing Matt Milano uh, at linebacker and then retaining Daryl Williams, their starting right tackle from a year ago. So, uh, in terms of those moves, again, are are you surprised necessarily? And uh, what sort of stands out to you about these two contracts for the Bills? It's kind of funny. And this just kind of goes to show that, you know, I I, I consider myself pretty plugged in to the mm-hmm. Bills just because that's my that's my life the past few years. Sure. And I can still be wrong. Like mm-hmm. I can still be flat wrong. I thought that Milano was as good as gone as can be. And I thought maybe they'd have to stretch things around in order to to resign. Daryl Williams and mm-hmm. Brandon Bean just kind of laughed in my face and uh, <laughs> and he he was working all week and you kind of you got the sense that something big was coming you knew that they had to clear the salary cap space they had about three and a half million mm-hmm. once the league set that 182.5 million dollar cap uh, they restructured Mitch Morris to clear two. they restructured Vernon Butler they let go of John Brown who I, I think was apparently the last person in the world to, to see it coming. Mm-hmm. And they also released Quentin Jefferson and that gave them about 18 million to work with maybe a little bit more. So I, it, it made, it made a little bit more sense mm-hmm. once the numbers started to come out, Matt Milano's cap hit next year is going to be $8 million. I think That's that is, great. that is Simone Biles level gymnastics from, <laughs> from Brandon Bean. Uh, yet to see the numbers on, on what Williams cap hit is going to be mm-hmm. uh, no real hometown discount there. They're paying them about nine and a half million average annual value there. That's about what you, I mean, that might be a little bit less than a, you know, than an all world right tackle goal right. score, but it's not like he took a hometown discount mm-hmm. to, to get here. Like I think Milano did a little bit, but uh, yeah, once the numbers came out, it made more sense, but you know, entering the off season, I just thought, man, that is uh, he's really got his work cut out for him. If he wants to bring those guys back. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Daryl Williams this time last year was really, you know, looking for one-year deals. He was a guy coming off of a serious knee injury and then had a really rough year in Carolina in 2019, moving around the line. So, you know, I think he was a guy who, you know, it made sense for the reunion. Weren't sure if if Cody Ford was going to play right tackle for the Bills and ended up kicking inside. Um, It seems like that's the best thing for all parties involved. Uh, And certainly, I think for Daryl Williams, I mean, you know, a guy who maybe would have got a big deal a couple of years ago if he had been um, you know, able to stay healthy. So I think getting that, that sort of guaranteed money locked in now or significant money, life-changing money on a multi-year deal has to feel good. And, and I think absolutely in terms of Milano, you know, I mean, there's a, a, a clear Panthers thing happening here to me where you think about what that Panthers team was built around when Sean McDermott was there. 
you think back to the linebackers, right? You think about Luke Keekley and you think about Thomas Davis, eventually Shaq Thompson, um, but Milano and Trey Evans, Evans are going to be there for a long time. It seems like Evans coming up for an extension, Milano getting his deal done. It seems like the core of that defense that was so great a year ago uh, is going to be back for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it is. And, and this is, it's a part of a, of the rebuild process that I don't think the bills have reached or ever reached during that 17 year drought, you know, the, the re the bringing core guys back and keeping mm-hmm. guys in place instead of having to shuffle because four years in you realize something's not working. So uh, I, I think this is, this is something that uh, I think this is something that, Bills fans maybe entered in with a little bit of skepticism, mm-hmm. but uh, they are. I mean, it, it's really. I'm telling you, it's really funny to watch. It's really fun to watch the reactions every time because pe- they they are so ready for September. They're so ready for Week One to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a long time since they've had consecutive optimistic seasons. Not to mention just consecutive winning playoff team seasons. So uh, it, I think this team it's built to last. We'll see. Um, We'll see the numbers on whatever Josh Allen's extension ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would, you know, I, I'd bet a decent amount of money that it's more than Dax, um, wow. somewhere between somewhere between Dak and, and Pat Mahomes, depending on if he wants to, you know, if he's willing to to shave a little off the top to help mm-hmm. keep some guys in place. Um, Edmonds, I think is I think they're both a lock for that fifth year option either way. For sure. Like, but I just don't. I don't think they're in any rush. I don't think they're in as much of a rush to sign Edmonds as they are Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But they're not exactly breaking their necks to do either of them. If that makes right. sense, for sure. And I mean, we always talk about that 2017 Saints draft with Kamara and Lattimore and Ramchick, and it's an awesome draft. I don't want to take anything away from that draft. I'm not trying to compare the two, but that first Bills draft in 2017 under Brandon Bean, or not actually, it was technically under Sean McDermott, I suppose, because Bean wasn't there yet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it was Tredavious White, Dion Dawkins, Matt Milano. That's a pretty good start in terms of building your core. Uh, you know, and obviously the Bills have drafted well since then. feels like everything is going the right way for the Bills heading into 2021. Yeah, and that's a, that was a... That was a heck of a draft. Minus the Zay Jones pick. That was uh I was I was trying to be positive. I didn't mention Nathan Peterman, trying to be a friend to Bill's fans, trying to be optimistic, but you can't win them all. You can't hey, look, yeah. I'll I'll say it. I think I built up enough equity here that I can get away (laughs) with this one. Like it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but I think Field Yates said it uh yesterday. Getting three cornerstones out of a single draft mm-hmm. is considered a great draft. Like you're not going to hit on all six or seven picks. Some of them are going to flame out, but the fact that you got three high level starters in, in in that first draft is is excellent. It's excellent. So it is. It's still something to be proud of. Like wasn't perfect, but no draft is perfect. Right. Exactly. I think it's an absolutely awesome start to the uh, to the maybe unprecedented rebuild in terms of how quickly the bills have come along, how much they've done. I mean, and, and like you said, Josh Allen's deal is going to be next on the docket. Uh, maybe not next, but certainly you would figure by the end of the off season, the bills are going to try and get that deal done as well. So you mentioned the uh, releases of John Brown and Quentin Jefferson through great cap space. The Brown one may be more conspicuous because we think about, you know, offensive players a little more frequently. Um, John Brown, of course, really impressive in 2019 as the Bills' number one receiver. Didn't have to play that same role last year after Stefan Diggs arrived. Still an effective part of the offense when he was healthy, but 
it seemed like he was surprised about being cut. Do you think he should have been surprised um, given his cap situation and given how he played in 2020? No, I, I really don't. And um, this was, this was like the one time, you know, how players say like, to say, Oh, we don't, we don't read anything that's going on in the media. We don't pay mm-hmm. attention to outside. I actually kind of believe it in John Brown's case, because every outlet, everybody with an opinion, I kind of saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and it's even sounds like he, he might not have been told that it was coming, but it, he, he had to have seen the writing on the wall. He said the team went five and zero without him. I'm not as concerned about that as, as I'd be, you know, at, at Gabriel Davis's numbers. Here's a mm-hmm. guy on a fourth round rookie contract who scored seven touchdowns with 600 receiving yards last year, playing in your stead while you were hurt. John Brown would have cost, he would have been a $9 million cap hit in a season that, you know, that that's all $16 million decline in salary cap in, mm-hmm. in the salary cap. They save seven or seven or eight to let him go. It just, it seemed really obvious to everybody around. It's not like anybody was rooting for it. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody thought on field that he's not worth having it, but at that price, it just didn't make sense. And, you know, maybe there is a possibility, Maybe in in a world, in some world, there's a possibility where they cut him and bring him back mm-hmm. on a cheaper deal, or 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 he agrees to a pay cut. But it didn't really make a whole lot of sense from his point and and from his perspective. Now it doesn't sound like returning to Buffalo is really in the cards. But uh, yeah, if if he was not prepared for this, like if if somebody didn't tell him that this was a possibility, uh, it, it might be time to kind of like reevaluate who's around you because it was, it made a lot of sense on mm-hmm. paper. I mean, you know, I don't want to say log on to Twitter. There's some bad things happening on Twitter, but it might be a good idea to have at least some follows on Twitter. See what's going on. See if you're going to be released. That's important. Does it seem like uh, you, do you think that the bills will just promote Gabriel Davis into a bigger role as part of the John Brown release? Or do you think they would be, interested in maybe adding another wide receiver at the right price. No, I think, um, I think this is Gabriel Davis's role. Um, they are, they are extremely high on this guy. And when you look at the receivers that were drafted, you know, that were drafted this year, if, if he's in another class, Gabe Davis might be, might've gone in the top two rounds. Uh, good speed, good size, great hands, runs clean routes. Um, smart. They they've trained him at every position he can play, you know, he can play X, he can play Z, he can play slot. He, he can play whatever you need him to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he kind of proved that this year. So I, I'd say that that starting spot opposite of Stephon Diggs belongs to, to Gabriel Davis right now. They're not going to say it publicly. Uh, you know, everything's a competition. They want to sure. keep guys working. Uh, and year two is really important, especially for a receiver. And, you know, as as corners and defensive coordinators have a season's worth of film on you and kind of can pinpoint your weaknesses a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to stop them from maybe adding, let's say, a name in the draft, a guy like, I don't know, Rondale Moore or Amari Rogers, somebody who can uh, who can maybe learn behind a, a Cole Beasley and eventually maybe take that that position over. Mm-hmm. But um, or maybe a a cheap free agent like a cheap specialist at receiver a guy like john ross who who just mm-hmm. brings pure speed to the table and might be in need of a fresh start yeah. but i don't think they're going you know they're not going after like kenny galladay they're not going after maybe even will fuller mm-hmm. you know or, or any of these 
really starting caliber Corey Davis. They're not going after a receiver like that. I don't expect. Yeah. I mean, Gabriel Davis for a guy who still isn't turned 22. I mean, 9.7 yards per target, 17.1 yards per catch, seven touchdowns a year ago. I mean, a guy who was, you know, a very valuable player in his role and certainly has that starting caliber upside. Uh, so, you know, again, if the right guy's there for the right price, I would imagine they'll consider it. But a guy who has earned a larger role in his first season to me in Gabriel Davis. Um, we talked about the cuts for the Bills. Let's talk about some of the other cuts around the NFL heading into free agency. We knew there were going to be a lot of veterans getting released or taking pay cuts because of the uh, reduced cap number. I think 182 and a half uh, is the final number for the salary cap. A couple guys who maybe I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised in a way that the Chiefs did this. They cut Eric Fisher. They cut Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, two guys coming off injuries. Fisher had a torn Achilles in the, of course, the win over the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Mitchell Schwartz missed most of the season with a back injury, uh, underwent surgery after the year. So both guys recovering from serious injuries. But, I mean, for the Chiefs and for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, this is a guy who have under contract for the next seemingly century. Uh, how, how important is it to you if you're the Chiefs organization to fill those holes at tackle? I mean, are you devoting every dollar you have to it? Are you going to hope that you can develop guys? Like, like, how do you see the Chiefs proceeding this offseason? Oh, that is, it's got to be priority number one, right? Because, uh, I mean, your, your offensive, your skill position players are in place. Sure. Um, you can maybe, you can, you can address your run defense a little bit as well. But, uh, I mean, you're, we're a couple months removed from, an absolute shellacking in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because you couldn't, you, you, your offensive line couldn't hold up. So I think this is, it, it, it might, it could be any number of things. It could be an indictment against Fisher and Schwartz's health. Uh, the fact that they were, they were deemed expendable. It's also kind of a, I don't want to say flex, but it, it also, it's kind of confidence uh, on the, on the part of the chief's front office and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, we, this is our biggest issue and we can still afford to, to release our, our starters, our bookended starters, because we know we're going to find, we're going to draft. Well, we are going to, to hit hard and free agency. We're going to find suitable replacements. And uh, they, they kind of need to, because if you're, you're paying all that money to Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to make it without an offensive line. He's not going to play out that deal. If you don't protect him. Right. I mean, we, it'd be one thing if he had just been great all the time and it was like, ah, you can make it work with anybody. We just saw the exact game that happened when you don't protect Patrick Mahomes even a tiny bit, it costs them the Super Bowl realistically. So, I mean, I think they have to be in the running for Trent Williams. There's going to be a lot of linemen we're talking about in a minute who are free agents. Um, let's talk about them now, actually. And you got Riley Reef cut by the Vikings, Kevin Zeitler cut by the Giants, Trey Turner cut by the Chargers just before we get on the air, Gabe Jackson, uh, and I think Richie Incognito as well, cut by the Raiders. Um, I mean, we're this is a position where I feel like the bills are the classic example where they invested so much in depth and so much in having as many people in front of Josh Allen as possible. So, I mean, do you think that we're going to see a lot of interest in these guys? John Feliciano, of course, is a free agent as well, but the bills, I mean, do you think we're going to see a market where those guys do get a lot of money or, or just because of the sheer volume of guys out there, do you think it's going to be a lot of these guys settling for, for one-year deals for less money? 
I think it's the latter. I think because the market is so saturated right now that you're going to see guys start to settle for a little bit less. And I, I thought that, you know, once these, once the guys like, uh, like Zeitler, once, you know, Trey Turner was, was announced to be available. Um, once Joe Thune was, it was announced that they weren't going to franchise him over up in new England. I oh, thought yeah. maybe, wow, like this is, if you're Buffalo and you want to keep John Feliciano, uh, this is a big, this is big because his price just kind of went down based on the number of people available. You would, you would imagine at least Gabe Jackson, uh, excuse me, Gabe Jackson as well. So I, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see guys kind of maybe settle for either backloaded deals, like something like Milano just did here where, you know, his cap hit is, is small right now and, and, and will increase in the, in the last couple of years of his contract or just sign something quick for now, you know, uh, you try to maybe sign on to a contender, maybe try to try to win a Super Bowl here and then go get your money when the salary cap presumably bounces back, uh, mm-hmm. bounces back next year. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And I think there's absolutely going to be a bargain or two in this bunch. I mean, you know, these are guys who were valued at the top of the market. Kevin Zeitler was one of the highest paid guards in football, Trey Turner. Um, you know, same thing. Uh, I, I have to feel like there's going to be at least one of these guys where we're sitting here in December. We're just like, how did this guy sign for one year and $6 million? Like, you know, the chiefs are going to sign him or the Patriots are going to sign them. And we're just going to be like, Oh, we should have known this whole time or the bills. Maybe might sign someone who knows. Um, Absolutely. I feel like some of these guys are going to be bargains. The Saints, I feel like it has become a meme uh, in and of itself. The Saints just in, they're in dire cap straits and still simultaneously somehow franchising Marcus Williams. Uh, they're an absolute mystery. They're a delight to, to see operate in some strange ways. But Janoris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, and Malcolm Brown most recently all released by the Saints. I mean, with Emmanuel Sanders, I think maybe he's the most interesting of the bunch. Um, is that a guy who you think is going to have a significant offer on the table this offseason? Or do you think, again, because of the depth, he's probably looking at a one-year deal for less than he made in New Orleans, which was somewhere, I think, in the six to seven range. Like, like Do you think that there is going to be a lot of interest in someone like Emmanuel Sanders, given his uh, you know, given his sort of veteran nature, given his experience, given his success in the past, and given the role he played for the Saints a year ago? Yeah, I think he's one of the most underrated number two receivers in, mm-hmm. in the game right now, or at least over the past, we'll call it five, six years. Uh, you know, a consistent guy that can get you, maybe we'll call it 700 yards and uh, and a handful of scores. He's probably, you probably shouldn't, you know, he's not the focal point of your offense, as I think mm-hmm. San Francisco found out, um, as Denver maybe found out toward the latter, toward the end of his tenure there. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy, if, you know, you've already got a number one in place, that he, he could come in and maybe, and maybe help you out. Like, if, if New England lands a, a big number one receiver, you can also add Emmanuel Sanders to that and just completely retool, you know, completely retool your room. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he goes he's, – he's not going anywhere like Buffalo. I don't think he's, he, should, he shouldn't be the jewel, like the crown of your class. But uh, I think he's, he's going to have interest. I don't think he's going to be a guy who – you know, maybe slides onto a roster midseason. He should find his way onto a team uh, before the start of training camp. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Uh, let's talk about some of the guys who weren't franchised. We'll finish up with this because I feel like these are different players who, because of whether it was their team's financial circumstances, whether it was because they weren't necessarily, um, you know, 
those teams were in any position to offer 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year for some of these guys, whether it was that those players are going to be replaced elsewhere. A bunch of guys who I thought might have been franchised by their teams or were certainly candidates to get franchised who are going to hit the open market. And I want to know what you think about where they might end up around the NFL. And I think the first guy that comes to mind for me is Kenny Galladay. And of course, I can see why the Lions would do this coming off of an injury, new front office, our new head coaching staff. Dan Campbell's philosophy seems to be about uh, eating people's kneecaps. I'm not sure I totally understand that part of it yet. Kenny Galladay is very tall. I don't think he makes sense for that strategy, but I am intrigued to see what you think the market is going to be for Kenny Galladay. I mean, in terms of the places he might go, where do you think Kenny Galladay is going to be looking? Where do you think Kenny Galladay is going to end up? And I know I just mentioned them in, uh, I just mentioned them in regards to, um, in regards to Emmanuel Sanders, Mm -hmm. but I think new England kind of leads that probably leads this list right now. Uh, They need a number one. They need an alpha. Kenny Galladay is an alpha. If you can thrive in Detroit, you can thrive anywhere. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, Baltimore is probably right behind him as well. Mm -hmm. Hollywood Brown is, you know, he's an electric talent. He's fun to watch. You know, when he gets a little bit of space, he's not a number one receiver. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if the Ravens, I think the Ravens maybe figured that out, uh, you know, over the past couple of years Add a guy like Kenny Galladay though, all of a sudden Marquise Brown sees more, more one-on-one coverage because you can't, you know, you can't shade away from Galladay. And and I think it it opens things up for both of them and opens up that offense. Um, They're already, you know, so effective on the ground. This gives Lamar Jackson a true threat through the air. Let's see him start to evolve as well. I think, you know, those are probably, those are probably the the top two teams I'm looking Mm -hmm. at. I think Miami might be a sleeper Mm -hmm. for him, but uh, they're more, they're better suited to, to draft a receiver than they are to, to sign a big one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, his third overall pick, you'd figure they have, they're going to have their choice of the wide receivers in this class. looks like some, there's some, some incredible talents really at the top of the class. I mean, you watch that Ravens bills game in the playoffs to, to me, it felt like a game where that would be the perfect example of why Lamar Jackson needs that receiver to work with, because, you know, not that Lamar was perfect in that game by any means he wasn't, but it felt like there were so many times in that game where he dropped back, and he just waited and waited and waited and either nobody was open or he didn't have the confidence to throw a 50 50 ball up to any of his guys. I mean, that just seems like the, you know, if the Ravens have that game stuck in their head and since they got eliminated from the postseason, he figured they do. I wonder if that makes them more likely to go after Kenny Galladay. Yeah. And yeah, that, that game was so, I mean, obviously I was, I was on my couch, you know, dealing with dealing with COVID at the time. Mm-hmm. So Forgive me if my memory is not as sharp, but uh, Willie Sneed played a lot more than I ever expected Willie Sneed to play <laughs> in 2021. And I think that was probably no offense to him, but like that, that's not your number two receiver, man. Right. Like if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, that, that I don't think it works like that. So uh, I, I think that will be, I think adding a, an elite option really would just take that offense to the next level. And I, I want to see that for Lamar. Like, I really don't want to see – I don't want to see his prime get wasted on on read options and, and second-round exits. I, I want this team to have a chance. Man had COVID, and he's still correct. Willie Sneed, 72% of the stats for the Bills in that – for the Ravens in that game. 
Uh, Am I hallucinating, or is, Ken, is Willie Sneed still on the field? <laughs> Willie Sneed is just constantly on the field for the Baltimore Ravens. It's fair. I mean, you know, and he's fine. Again, like, I don't want to disparage Willie Sneed. He has a role on, you know, on your roster. But you don't want to be sitting there back in the pocket, three, four seconds have elapsed, waiting to throw, and you're hoping Willie Sneed, like, works his way open. Like, you want to have someone you can rely upon. And I, I think Kenny Galladay absolutely makes sense for the Ravens. I think the Jets also come to mind as a team that could add something at receiver for whether it's Sam Darnold or any of the quarterbacks outside of Trevor Lawrence, who they might take with the second overall pick another receiver who was rumored at least to be, you know, maybe linked to the bills. I don't know how much you feel about that, but Johnny Smith, the top tight end, presumably on the market alongside Hunter Henry, not franchised by Tennessee. Do you think he goes to the bills? And if he doesn't go to the bills, where do you think he might end up? Now this is where this is where things get a little interesting because uh, I I thought maybe if Buffalo brought back Feliciano mm-hmm. and found a way to keep Williams that maybe they're they're more in the running for for another big you know a big name free agent mm-hmm. but uh, I'm a little unsure at this point since they they brought back Milano who was on the higher end of their in-house unrestricted guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how much money is going to be left over. There are a couple other options that they uh, a couple other needs that I think they'd rather fill first. Uh, defensive end most notably, I think uh, adding a guy like Carl Lawson is going to take a lot of your cap room. Yeah. And I think it would be probably probably the the best possible move for them at this point. But um if not, like if they miss on on Lawson and they're committed to to addressing their pass rush via the draft, then I, I think John o. Smith is right there at the top of their list. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Hunter Henry is probably going to be the most expensive tight end in, in this class, but John o. Smith fits what they need out of that position, which is a, a guy who can catch and run mm-hmm. at that at that spot. Defenses are going to focus on on Stephon Diggs. They can't ignore Cole Beasley as well. Uh, you know, Cole Beasley's open every single play. Mm-hmm. They need a guy at that tight end position as well. You know, who can fill in, who can fill in gaps from here. You know, throughout the field and, and, and make something happen with the ball in his hands. I think they like what Dawson Knox does once he catches it. Mm-hmm. It's just the catching it has been kind of a struggle for him over the past yes. two years. And uh, but he is an effective runner after the catch. Like that can't be denied. But, I mean, I thought it was really powerful that Brandon Bean came out and told us that, you know, he doesn't think any opponent came into Bills Week and said, we need a game plan for Buffalo's tight ends. And uh, that was very much an indictment on the current tight ends they have on roster. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I wouldn't – I also wouldn't rule out a, a trade for Zach Ertz at this mm-hmm. point. You have an extra fifth-round pick. I don't know how much it's going to cost to get him out of Philadelphia – but you, you can imagine, you know, that that relationship has has deteriorated. They are looking to get anything for him. Mm-hmm. They're looking to get anything for anyone, as you know, shown yes. in the Carson Wentz trade. But uh, I, I wouldn't rule that out either. But either way, I, I think Buffalo looks to upgrade that tight end position. Man, I'm jealous. I didn't think of that now. That's like such a per. I can I can imagine Zach Ertz wearing the Bills jersey, making a big catch in Week One, and like people just freaking out in the stands. I can absolutely see that happen. I wish I thought of that now. Damn. Oh man, it, you would you'll feel it. You know, you'll feel the <laughs> you'll feel the if if the playoff game against Indy was any indication, these people are, might actually shake the stadium down. It might actually break it once should. they're their full strength. That's like, I think the, the team I'm most excited to see get their fans back for week one. 
Um, I want to see the Raiders in their new building with maybe Raiders fans. I'm not sure who's going to be going to the games in Vegas. Like they sell out, but I'm not sure if it's going to be people just driving up. I want to see that, like the people coming from Las Vegas, coming from Oakland, coming from Southern California to Vegas for Raiders games. I want to see probably Eagles fans booing week one, like halfway <laughs> through the first quarter um, when someone drops a pass. But I'm, of course, really excited to see the Bills and their fans uh, for week one, hopefully in 2021. Um, a couple other guys who come to mind, Aaron Jones, uh, Packers running back, very effective the past two years. Always kind of felt like they didn't trust him as like the true number one getting 80, 85% of the snaps was always kind of in a timeshare with Jamal Williams when he was healthy. And of course they invested a lot elsewhere, not in great cap shape. So not always a surprise that they let him leave, but in terms of his market, I mean, it seems like everyone is pegging him to go to Miami. Are you kind of in that discussion as well? Yeah, that was actually, I was going to say Miami. Um, I could also, I could also see him going to, to New York, to the mm-hmm. Jets. Uh, yeah. Obviously they're, they're interested in, in investing in their run game. That's why they signed Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it, it, especially if they're keeping Sam Darnold, this is a way, you know, you want to protect him. You want to surround him with talent, get a good ground game, give him a good running back who, who operates as both an effective runner and an effective receiver out of the backfield, you know, as a safety valve. Uh, that's, that's the way to do it. So Miami might be the favorite, but uh, I wouldn't sleep on, I wouldn't sleep on the jets. Yeah, I'm touching on my list too. I a team I threw out there. I don't know if you feel this way. Maybe you don't. What about Seattle? A team that we know wants to win now. Uh, Chris Carson is also a free agent. Did not get franchised. Team that's been comfortable spending this kind of money on a running back in the past. Uh, of course, with Marshawn Lynch being such a cornerstone of those early Legion of Boom teams. Um, not a ton of cap space, obviously. We're going to talk about one of the guys they're letting leave in a moment. But I wonder if Seattle might try to appease Russell Wilson by adding a significant player who's not only effective as a runner, but like you said, also effective as a receiver um, for someone who can maybe catch those check downs, catch those screens and take some of the pressure off Russell Wilson, you know, early in place. That would be really interesting to see. I think, uh, you know, he does, he, he's got a similar skill set then to, to Chris Carson, just probably, you know, just a little better. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. A little better at probably everything. And uh and I think if, especially if Pete Carroll gets his way, if they're still, you know, committed to the Pete Carroll way that mm-hmm. yeah, running back is a, is a massive priority. I I'm curious to see, you know, what the impact of this Russell Wilson temper tantrum uh, <laughs> is. Do they just fully commit, say, okay, like we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to go all, all in on, on letting Russ cook. We're going to mm-hmm. get you as many weapons as possible. We're going to address the offensive line. We'll get a serviceable enough running back. I think Rashad Penny is coming back, or yes. he should be healthy. That's true. So they do have, you know, they have a first round pick invested in him. They might want to ride that out for a year before going all in on the position again. Totally fine. But, uh, but I, I don't know. I think it would be it would be a curious it'd be a curious fit, and I wonder what Russ would think of that. Because I, I mean, he's not going to come well. cheap, and I, I would think you could spend that money on you could spend that money on a on, on an offensive lineman or mm-hmm. two yeah that's totally fair i mean you might rather have kevin zeitler and gabe jackson as opposed to aaron jones so always intriguing the the, the story underneath the story for the seahawks i feel like is fascinating when we see what they do over the next week uh, a couple other guys here we'll finish up with 
Shaq Griffin, starting cornerback for Seattle, um, hating the market, thought he might be franchised. Of course, we know they have to give Jamal Adams a big contract this offseason. But for Shaq Griffin, um, a guy who was you know, looking like a number one cornerback at times over his run with the Seahawks, uh, do you think there's any place that stands out to you as a likely landing spot for him? Um, I, I got to see what their what their what their cap looks like, especially what they're doing with Von Miller. But maybe Denver, mm-hmm. uh, a team that's kind of been eschewing its starting corners now uh, for a couple seasons. Uh, obviously, Chris Harris is gone. Uh, boy, it didn't work out. But um, a, a team that that needs it. A uh, guy in Vic Fangio, who you know that his, his focus is on that side of the ball. Yeah, uh, they you know that that's what they want to pride themselves on. Shaq Griffin, like you said, was looking like a number one corner. I think, uh, you know, depending on what kind of money they've got to play with, I think Denver could be an option. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I mentioned, I thought about teams who have former Seahawks as defensive coordinators, former Seahawks employees as defensive coordinators. Two teams came to mind for me, the Jets, we've talked about a lot seemingly, uh, but they have Robert Sala, of course, as their DC, questions at cornerback there. And then Dan Quinn uh, with the Cowboys, where could see them going after a cornerback. They certainly gave up a ton of big plays last year and could afford to, or certainly could could justify spending money on the defensive side of the ball. But I think definitely makes a lot of sense as well. Set it on the slot with Bryce Callahan, but have a little bit of money to work with, especially when we see what happens with Von Miller. I think a lot of people think he's going to be released or take a pay cut or maybe redo a new deal, but basically a change happening there. He's not going to come back and on his, uh, his given salary. So I think absolutely Denver is a team that, you know, they're expecting to be in the postseason this year, hoping to be in the postseason this year, could go out and spend a lot of money on a number one cornerback. Guy I want to finish with here is Hassan Reddick, a player who kind of an afterthought for his time in Arizona, started at linebacker, um, moved around, a great athlete coming out of Temple, but almost a guy where his versatility was a problem as opposed to a strength. This year, Chandler Jones gets hurt. Hassan Reddick has moved into a full-time edge rushing role and man, 12 and a half sacks broke out 16 quarterback knockdowns, a huge season for Hassan Reddick. So what do you think this means? I mean, we've seen players in the past where they get that one year deal um, or they, they break out in the final year of their contract. And then, you know, it's sort of tough to value them. It's tough to tell whether they're going to be that guy going forward. I think Jordan Phillips might be a similar example for the bills where he had that nine and a half sack season in 2019, of course, the defensive tackle as opposed to an edge rusher and the bill said, okay, you know, you did that great, but it was one year. We're going to let you go. We're going to spend our money elsewhere. Um, do you think that there is a big market for Hassan Reddick given the, the sort of, you know, short track record of production, but also at a position that everyone needs more edge rushers? Yeah, I think somebody's going to be willing to take a shot, especially, you know, maybe one of the teams that's got Buku money to yeah. uh, Buku money to work with. Make maybe maybe Indy, Indy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're Justin Houston's getting a little old. Uh, a guy who's, you know, who's thrived as kind of a, a hybrid edge rusher linebacker. I think, you know, uh, Reddit could be an immediate either an immediate replacement or play alongside of him and be a long-term replacement. It, mm-hmm. I think he's got, he's going to have some sort of market. Um, just like, I mean, Jordan Phillips had a market and, and nine and a half sacks seemed a little fluky, but he still turned it into 10 million a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think somebody, you know, one of these teams that's got money to burn, one of these rare teams that has money to burn this yes. off season is going to, is going to let them have some. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marcel, 
I mean, the Bills still a lot of work today, but still you figure they might be active in free agency. Where can people check out your coverage of the Bills? At ESPN.com. Uh, ESPN.com's Buffalo Bills page is, is the easiest way, uh, stream, most streamlined way. It's got everything I've been working on this week, next week, and last week. Um, my Twitter page also, I'm putting everything up on there, putting everything up on Instagram as well, at Marcel ESPN on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Marcel underscore LJ. Active on both, uh, you know, and not just sports. So if, if you want something beyond the robotic coverage, uh, I will hopefully provide it. Excellent follow. Also good Buffalo food suggestions if you want to check that out as well. Always love reading Marcel. Marcel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you having me on, Bill. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my friend, Marcel Louis-Jacques. Excellent work covering the Bills. Excellent Twitter follow as well. So go ahead and follow him there. Check out his Bills coverage. And we'll have more audio coming next week. Free agency on the way. Don't know when exactly we're going to record. Depends on when the news breaks. But we will have plenty of discussion about all things free agency next week here on the Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks so much for listening.